Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's inevitable we're all going to get there sooner or later. And as we approach our senior years, medical problems can happen and life can get a lot more complicated. What are the best ways to stay healthy and strong? Well, we've got Dr. Patricia Borman and Dr. Corey Leo from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience located at Castle and their new clinic at Liliha. And they're both in the studio ready to share some tips we can all use to keep our brains and bodies active and healthy throughout our lives. Now, before we talk with them, we're going to hear a little bit about an upcoming series from, of all timely folks, AARP holding some caregiving events that really focus on not waiting for a crisis to start planning to care for your aging parents or even your aging loved ones, spouses, etc. So Claire Santos, who is a nurse educator and also a medical writer, is here in the studio to share with us some information about this upcoming AARP conference and why it's really something important for pretty much all of us, whether or not you're of AARP age or you know somebody who is, great information to help all of us. So we're talking geriatrics today and how perfect. Claire, thanks for joining us to tell us more about what AARP is up to. Aloha, Dr. Kozak, and thank you for giving me some time for this AARP announcement. As you may know, I'm a pre-retirement AARP volunteer, and I enjoy being part of getting ready for my later years through working with our local chapter on many different activities, whether educational events or outreach projects or legislative advocacy. If you're still in the workforce and want to be more involved with proactive community volunteer projects, I'd love it if you'd join forces with us at AARP. In Hawaii, 35% of our population is over age 50, and we have the highest percentage of residents over age 85 in the nation. As you can imagine, we have about 247,000 caregivers who help kupuna live independently at home. With that, there is a critical need in our community for information and support for caregivers and their loved ones. This month, AARP is presenting three events on three islands that are for people who are planning to or are already serving as caregivers. At these events, titled Don't Wait for a Crisis to Start Planning to Care for Your Aging Parents, you'll get a chance to learn about community resources and the supports needed to care for older friends and family members. The first event will be in Kona on March 26th, the second will be in Kahului on March 27th, and the third will be in Honolulu on March 28th. The toll-free registration number is 1-877-926-8300. The keynote speaker at each event is retired U.S. Army Major General Antonio Tony Taguba, who was born in the Philippines and raised in Wahiwa. General Taguba is is also AARP's caregiving ambassador. He has a great deal of personal experience for planning to care for someone at home, and he has many tips to share with you. Please join us at one of the events, March 26th in Kona, March 27th in Kahului, and March 28th in Honolulu. Again, the toll-free number is 877-926-8300. Mahalo, and I hope to see you there. Sounds like an absolutely essential event, Claire. Give us a little preview. What do you think are some of the things that, if you've heard, uh, you know, General Antonio Taguba, what's he going to talk about? I mean, this isn't just 
the person who might need the care. This is really about everybody else around them helping to support them and do some things that some of us, just logistics, we don't think about. Well, General Taguba did have the privilege of caring for his aging parents at some point. So he has a lot of insight into um, your needs as a caregiver. And that's a really important point because not only is it about caring for the elderly parents, but it's also about caring for yourself, too. Absolutely. I I think sometimes we forget that. Caregivers have a lot on their plate. Not only do they have to take care of their own life, if they're working, if they have children, if they have their own situation going on, but now they also have to take care of their parents. And sometimes as people, as we get older, we're not so happy to do things differently just because somebody else said so. You know, sometimes parents still want to be the parents and don't want to listen to their kids. And, oh, my parents have never done that. But, you know, it must be really difficult and hard for people to not give up so much of themselves that they suffer as well. And that's why it's important that we have agencies such as AARP who who are providing that that safety net, that that, uh, support for family caregivers. Fantastic. Okay, now there's three events, and that's wonderful because we've got Kona on the 26th, Kahului on the 27th, here in Honolulu on the 28th. What's that phone number again? If people want to get more information and or they want to volunteer for AARP or just become a little bit more involved and engaged in the process, who do they call? The toll-free number is 877-926-8300. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Claire, for joining joining us today to tell us a little bit more about this. And thanks for all the hard work you do with AARP. Thank you, Dr. Kosek. All right. Talking about getting older. Boy, we all are. A few weeks ago, I saw that movie Still Alice. Fantastic movie. But boy, that's scary. How often do I forget where I put my car keys? And now it makes me wonder. Now, let's talk a little bit about getting older. We have Dr. Patricia Borman and Dr. Corey Leo both from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience here in the studio. And, you know, it's it's a difficult process. I think sometimes maybe we focus so much on the disease, we forget about the fact that people can age and still be healthy. Dr. Borman, Dr. Leo, welcome to The Body Show. Dr. Leo, you've been here several times talking about this. And, and I want to talk some more about how can we age and be healthy? Patricia, Make me feel better about getting older. Well, I think that you have to have a concept that health is not just the absence of disease. As we age, the chronic diseases can come upon us. They're not curable, so we need to live with them. And I think a strong part of health in aging is celebrating what you have left and not what you've lost in independence or or physical strength. That's an important point, is really keep a focus on what you still can do. And and don't worry so much if you can't do all the yard work anymore because you can still go out and enjoy the yard and have someone else do the yard work if you're older and you can't do that. Now, you've started working here. You come from a fairly intensive background of taking care of people as they get older in the home, taking care of their families, taking care of everybody in the whole situation. You have this holistic approach to geriatrics. Tell me what, what you mean by holistic. 
Well, I think so many of our specialists are expert in focusing on disease and illness, but I want to help patients and families focus on wellness. So to do that, you need a balance between physical health, emotional health, and spiritual strength. And if we're not addressing all of those, uh, we're not helping the person be their best. And how might you address it? I mean, let's talk about those three things. Let's talk physical health, then emotional, then spiritual. In your practice, how do you go about addressing physical health? So if somebody were to come and see you for the first time, maybe they've seen somebody else, they're now at an age where, and that might be a good place to, to start. When should people really start to seek out a geriatric specialist? And, and what are those physical attributes that you look at? Well, seeking out geriatric um, specialists um, is often thought of when your care has become complex. We know that on average, um, ad- adults, older adults, have eight to ten physicians that they're seeing. That's, that's a lot. Be, sure, it's got to be confusing. I mean, you know, eight to ten appointments, I'm likely to miss one or two. So you're right. This it, it's so unfair. Just as people get older and it gets harder and harder to manage, that's when they need more and more stuff, medical stuff, medications and, and appointments and different doctors. So when things get complex, so it's not really an age, it's just a general idea of when things get a little bit too complicated or maybe when they just start to get complex enough, you might seek the help of somebody with expertise in geriatrics. Okay. Another thing to look at is... Um is the the pharmaceutical burden that a patient faces. How many medicines are you on? I saw a man who was on 60 different tablets a day. And that's all he could do was figure out when to take which one. So medication simplification is very important in this work. Absolutely. And, you know, luckily, as time has gone on, we've gotten a lot of extended release medications and things that you can take once a day that last throughout the day. But 60 different medicines... Uh, amazing that he could even keep it all together. Okay. So physically, you look at the complexity, the number of doctors they may be seeing, the number of medications they may be taking, and if this has gotten too difficult for them. Yes. There's a whole move in medicine to make things simpler and much more patient-centered and to take away some of the extras that maybe they don't need. Do you find yourself doing that quite often? Yes. One of my maxims is KISS. Keep it simple, particularly if there are memory concerns. Um, if you have a medicine that needs to be taken three times a day, you're lucky if the person's able to take it once a day. So prescribe something that's once a day. And if it's not available, know that. Useless for three times a day if it's not going to be possible. Yes. Accept that. And it may mean accepting medical consequences of conditions that could be treated, but if there's no way to do it effectively... Sometimes you just have to accept that as a physician and also as a person who's dealing with illness. Okay. What about the emotional part of it? That's That's got to be very difficult. You know, often people will come in and see their doctor. They've got 10 minutes, if they're lucky, with the doctor. And that doesn't seem to be enough to address a lot of their emotional concerns. What are some of the most common emotional aspects that you find in people as they get older that you really wish we could all address more often? Well, I mean, a lot of times I think 
one of the things that could happen is, and you know, I read this, I read this great book over the weekend. So shout out to a woman, Susan Scott. She wrote this really good book called Call Me Captain. And I went to this writing conference over at uh, HPU Windward, and she was one of the speakers. And, you know, I looked at the book and I thought, Captain, sailing, uh, okay, I get boat sick. And then I talked with her. And she gave this lecture, and it was so engaging. And I, I bought the book, and I read it literally Sunday, just finished it. And one of the things that she talks about, about getting older, is that a lot of times people don't realize the emotional aspect of how hormone changes, menopause, loss of the ability to do things you used to do, arthritis affecting your hands, so you can't do some of the activities you used to love, that that almost like a depression and going through those stages of of death and dying, going through Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages, where first you get depressed about it, and then you get angry about it, then you bargain, and then you accept it. Almost to the point where acceptance is that emotional hurdle that sometimes you just have to realize you can't do what you used to. But life can still be great and wonderful even if you can't. So sort of addressing the fact that you can be upset about it, but you don't have to let it depress and incapacitate you. Are those some of the emotional things that we need to do a better job of recognizing in our older patients? I think coping with loss is a big one, and it can be anywhere from a little bit irritating to aggravating to producing anger to producing significant depression. There's also anxiety, and when you don't know what's going to happen next or you're uncertain, and particularly um, people who start out a little anxious as they get older, that can really become magnified. And are there ways that we can treat this more proactively? I mean, I see a lot of people who would technically fit into the category of geriatrics, and yet I see a lot of younger people. Are there ways to address some of the anxiety in a simple fashion that can help people to not a, need a lot of medication, which is difficult to take. We talked about your man with 60 pills. But B, find a way that that they can kind of cope with this. I think what helps many people is just to encourage them that they're not alone and that if when they're ready to talk about it, there there are people that will listen. Most often it's as simple as family members. And they love you. They They want to hear what's bothering you. And just getting it off their chest can really increase a sense of wellness. All right. Well, that's the physical. That's the emotional. And then there's another component, the spiritual, because I think a lot of people may not want to share their religious beliefs with with their physician, or they may just not feel comfortable explaining how they've come to whatever beliefs they have at that time in life. How do you assess the spiritual health of someone when they come in to see you? Well, the first thing I do is I don't ask about religion because what I ask is, what gives you strength to get through life? What gives you strength when you have a big challenge? For many, religion comes up or prayer or family. Some people draw strength from nature, from getting outdoors, seeing trees, seeing the ocean. I don't ever assume what brings support and spirituality to a person, but it does make a difference in how we age. That's a really good point. Instead of asking what religion they are, maybe ask them what gives them strength. And 
Depending on the day, I might just suggest chocolate, but that's probably not the question that the answer that you're expecting to get. So, okay. So when you do that comprehensive assessment, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, is there anything that you've noticed as a common theme in the people that you've seen in the course of your career that that you find everybody kind of says the same thing? Because we really are deep down all the same. I mean, we all go through the same physical changes or very similar physical changes because we're all humans and we all have the same emotional needs for, for love and security and acceptance. Is there anything common that you see in some of the people that you've taken care of that, that the rest of us might not think of? I think something that's very common is a barrier about asking for help. Like asking for directions or... Yeah, I think I might have that myself. Okay, so asking for help, in what sort of a way? Do you mean like, you know, Grandpa says, but I don't need a walker, I don't need a cane, I can do it on my own, or I can still climb the mango tree, and I can trim it, and I don't want to bother my grandson because he's busy. Is it that sort of a situation? That's one example. Another is with caregiving for our older adults. And caregivers have a lot on their plate, as you mentioned, and they, they kind of think they're in it alone and nobody's going to help them, but all they have to do is ask. They can ask a friend. They can ask a neighbor if they're involved with the faith community. People like to help, but they don't necessarily know what you need. So if you can break that barrier and ask for help and be specific, can you go to the market for me and pick up bread and eggs and donuts? Um, the more specific you are, the happier they are to do it is my experience. I love the fact you added donuts. You know, I mean, bread and milk is good, but sometimes you just need your donut craving. Well, I love I talk, that. I talk about healthy nutrition and men- mental health nutrition. <laughs> yes, because those can be the same and sometimes may not be. Mental health nutrition might be the donuts. Healthy nutrition may be the bread and eggs. All right. I'm Dr. <laughs> Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Corey Leo. We'll hear from in the next portion of the show, and also Dr. Patricia Borman, both from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, located at Castle and now with a new office branch for about six months or so at Liliha, and hopefully going to expand even further statewide. I'm putting a little bit of pressure on you, Dr. Liao, over there. If you have tricks or things that you've found as being a caregiver for a loved one, or if you have recognized things that your loved ones have asked you that other people could help with, but you never thought that's what they needed... Please join us, share your expertise, and, and your story may help somebody else. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free from our neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. I have been listening to public radio since 1983. You'll get national news and local news, but it's the culture and the arts and the things that are going on around town that you'll never hear on the airwaves, except here at Hawaii Public Radio. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. If you're the groundskeeper for a Major League Baseball team, what are you supposed to do when it snows? Well, snow is a great insulator. It keeps the frost from going as deep, especially if we can get frost or the snow early in the season and it stays. As long as it doesn't turn to ice, it's very grass-friendly. I'm David Gura. How Fenway Park's field is maintained next time on Marketplace from APM. 
This evening at 6, following The Body Show. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Hawaii Supply. Aloha. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Patricia Borman and Dr. Corey Leo from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. We're talking about getting older and what happens as we age and what are some of the things that we all need to be sensitive and cognizant of that, so that we can really help our community as a whole. And before the break, we were talking about sometimes asking for help is one of the most difficult things to do. Now, if you or a loved one has ever had some troubles, or even you still do, with being a caregiver and wanting to know where is this help we all talk about, and if you don't have family members or neighbors who are willing to help, where else can you go for some assistance? You can join us, 941-3689 here on Oahu. Toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Liao, I'm so excited that you brought really a comprehensive area where people who have memory issues, Alzheimer's, dementia, or other sorts of memory problems can go get a comprehensive assessment done, get all the different pieces of what they need done in one place. People get together as part of a team to discuss each individual situation and and concern and care plan for patients. What inspired you to do it? And, And tell me a little bit more about how it's going. You guys just expanded to Liliha. There's a whole other location in town to help people. Tell me more. Uh, aloha, Dr. Kozak. Uh, mahalo for having us here. Oh, you thank are you so for what kind. you do. Absolutely. You are so kind. It is really a teamwork, and there's a lot of people involved. You know, the, the, what we're so fortunate, we feel really privileged and blessed to, to have the opportunity to go from a caregiver-centric care asking the patient to go to one part of the town to seek this specialist and that specialist to bringing the specialist to the patient, to a patient-centered care model. So we are very excited. You know, we, we were able not, well, because we know that a neurologist can do everything. A geriatrician cannot know everything. So our goal is to really get the team, get the best people to the patient and not ask the patient to go to a different part of town. That's one aspect. The second aspect is that we want, we not want to just provide top-notch care, research care, but we want to be holistic. We want to make sure that our care involves uh, behavioral, like what you were talking with Dr. Borman about, you know, taking care of the behavior and also have a wellness to it because not everybody necessarily want to be on medications, want to be on so many medications, and sometimes they get to a point it does not help. And to really take care of dementia, we want to take care of them early on you know, the prevention, you know, reducing the risk factors like you have been talking about is so important. So we really want to incorporate wellness into what we do. So we feel very, very fortunate to have this opportunity to work with so many good people on the island, uh, so many organizations. Uh, we, we were able and we're very excited to be doing this. So now what's up and coming? You know, we talk about it being here on Oahu. I'm putting you on the spot. Neighbor Islands, we need to we need to also take care of folks in those places. Any thoughts of bringing some of the services that you have to our friends over on Maui, on Hawaii Island, on Kauai? How can we do it? Uh, only if you and Claire Santos are coming with me. 
You know, so, well, right now we are really concentrating on providing care to, to we are going to where people need us. So we started in, uh, in Windward uh, by Castle Hospital, uh, which have been so gracious and kind to us. Uh, we have grown uh, from one provider to now nine providers. Uh, in 2014, we had 24,000 patient visits. So we, we have been very, very fortunate and blessed. Uh, the community have been so good to us. We have grown. And uh, a majority, uh, we're coming about 30 to 40% of our patients are coming from outside of the windward, mostly from Honolulu. So uh, we are going to where our patients need us. So uh, we have been very fortunate to be working with St. Francis Healthcare System uh, to establish a second campus on Honolulu. Uh, it's a 24-clinic room. Uh, facility that we have with a dedicated research and clinical trial unit because one of our goal is to really bring research and clinical trial to the island. Uh, you know, as you know, not everybody can, can travel to the mainland to have research done. So we really want to do that for our patients. Well, and that's a really important point. A lot of times we, we happen to live here in the middle of the Pacific and sometimes we worry that, you know, maybe we're not getting the most up-to-date care. Maybe we can't get the clinical trials that are available in the mainland brought here at home, and so we can't take advantage of that. But that's one of the great things about what you're doing, which is bringing those trials here so that people here in the islands, because we have such a multi-ethnic society and various different groups of folks who can participate, like you said, geographically constrained. I mean, for an Alzheimer's trial, it's really difficult to send somebody to the mainland who has a bad memory. I mean, that can cause a whole other level of confusion and changes in test results and everything. So it's great to know we're doing some of these trials right here at home. Well, you know, the good thing is that there's already uh, resources here on the island. There are, there are researchers, there are clinical trial coordinators, there are facilities. There are already good people here on the island that we can utilize. It just takes people like yourself, uh, Claire Santos and the ARP to work together, the Alzheimer's Association. You know, it just takes people to come together to make this happen. And, and we, are, we are, again, very fortunate, uh, very thankful that you, you, you were able to play a part in this. Well, we need to because none of us are getting younger, I'll tell you that much. All right. Let's talk to Autumn from Kona. Autumn, welcome to The Body Show. Hello. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Good. Doing um, well. How about you? I'm I'm well. Thank you. What can we do for you today? Um, I just wanted to make a comment that I used to take care of my um, grandmother. I was her caregiver. And there gets to be a point where it, it, safety becomes an issue. And I wanted my grandma to be able to keep her, uh, stay in her own home and have to do her own thing, like brush her teeth and stuff. But she was in a wheelchair after she had a heart valve replacement in her um, in her heart valve, a pig's valve put in. And um, she got sort of dementia. She had to be more a little confused. And she heated up her plate for lunch in the microwave so hot that and then put it on her lap and burned herself. So you have to kind of watch out, at, you know. And then soon after that, we... She had to go move to New Mexico where my my uh, mother's sister was. So you but, really you know, did your best, but safety was a concern that you had. And when the time came, you knew that the arrangements of her being home alone just wouldn't work anymore. Right, yeah. You know. so well, I'm sorry to I hear had. that, but good for you for taking care of her and really trying your best. You know, it's it's so often that we see that 
that there are family members, younger family members, who are trying their best to help care for the older ones. And sometimes you do hit a limit, whether it be caregiver limits or safety limits for the individual, and you need more help. And I'm curious, Dr. Borman, Dr. Leo, if, if a caregiver finds themselves in this situation right now where they're burning out, where they just need help and they don't know where to go, what should they do? Um, every region has an area agency on aging, AAA, not to be confused with the car insurance company. AAA. It's not that kind of AAA. Not that kind of AAA. It's an agency on aging. Okay. And they they catalog and make available all the services that are geared towards older adults. And they have a line called Senior Information and Assistance that's really one-stop shopping. If you know what you need and call them, they'll tell you where to get it. If you're not sure what you need and you explain the problem, they'll help you solve it. It's just incredible. All right, we're going to have to find that number on the break to make sure that people know exactly how to get in touch with those folks. And Dr. Borman, I see you reaching for your phone because you've got it. Okay, we're going to put you on the spot. But before we do, let's talk with Yvonne from the Big Island. Yvonne, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you, Dr. Kosek. Um, you had mentioned that um, if any caregivers had some kids that might help other caregivers. Absolutely. I have I have one um when I cared for my grandfather, he had eventually had to stop driving. It was quite traumatic for him to give up his automobile. So what I did is I tried to involve him as much as I could. Um, like if we were going to go to Hilo, I'd say, Grandpa, why don't you go out and uh, check the oil in the car or make sure that the windshield is clean and check the air in the tires. And that really helped him feel still important and involved in the, the automobile process. That's a um, great idea. Thing, um, the other thing, um, I was a caregiver for a woman for eight years, and I took her to many, many doctor's appointments, and this is kind of a suggestion to doctors and to other caregivers. When the doctor asks the question, please, as a caregiver, ask the doctor to ask it to the patient and not to the caregiver, because that makes the patient feel inadequate or not in control, and my uh, the woman that I cared for would always say, Yvonne, who's the patient here, you or me? And it was it was quite awakening for me to realize that she's right. The doctor should address to her, let her answer the questions, and then if she can't remember something, then the caregiver can step in. So that's the suggestion to those doctors and also caregivers to remember that they do still have control of their lives. You're absolutely right, Yvonne, and those are two great points. I love the one where you talk about engaging your grandfather and letting him still be responsible for the car, for the gas, for the oil, for the windshield. You know, instead of just taking the keys away and saying, you can't drive it, your car is going to leave, thus getting to loss, engaging him and making him part of the process. And then he's sharing his car with family. And, of course, I'm sure he would love to do it, but then he doesn't feel like he's he's – lost something. It's, it's been taken away. And your other point, very well, very well made, you know, have the doctors talk to the individual, not to the caregivers, because you're right, you don't want to be sitting there. I mean, I can only imagine here you are as a patient coming to see your doctor and everybody talks around you. And so that's a really important point. And Dr. Borman, I see you shaking your head like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. And I bet it's something that you learned early on not to do. Yes. Um, even when people have very advanced dementia, they're almost nonverbal. I still address all the visit 
to them. They are my patient. And I also work with the families, but through the patient, because that's just respect. They deserve that. Absolutely. And and one of the things to note is, you know, for, for family members, for everybody, if there's a hearing issue, bring your hearing aids, wear them. If they don't work, get them checked out to find out why. But use some of those extras. I'll find myself, although these days I do type it more than anything else, handwriting stuff out. Now, handwriting for me has become quite an interesting thing to decipher. So, you know, just writing it out or typing it out in font big enough that somebody can answer these questions. And I have a little sheet in the office for those people of mine who have hearing issues. I know the questions I'm probably going to ask them. And so I've got it, in, and it's in big font so they can read it, and it's not my handwriting. So then they can tell me a little bit about what's going on, which is always helpful to hear from them because that's how you identify a lot of stuff. Now, you've been put to work while we were on air, Patricia, about this phone number, and I see that you wrote something down. This is going to be for help for caregivers who feel like they need more information on where to go to get services. So you're on. You had it in your phone. Good work. Senior Information and Assistance in our area, area code 808-768-7700. And that's where people could get in contact with some folks who could help them. Yes. Fantastic. Good work. Even when you were just there, sitting there on air, and I'm giving you homework. Okay. Let's hear from Don from Eva. Don, welcome to the Body Show. Hey, how's it going? Fabulous. How about for you? All right. Okay. I am a caregiver. I'm a CNA. However, during your CNA training, they really don't show you or explain to you how to deal with people with dementia and and Alzheimer's and stuff like that. And um, I even have a foster home. And one time um, the agency wanted us to take care of this one gentleman who was um, pre-dementia. And um, we didn't know how how to handle it, you know, because we never had any clients with dementia put in our home before. And um, it got to the point where I had to take him to St. Francis West and drop him off because I couldn't handle it anymore. You know, I, I didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. And, and you know, you only, your patients only can last so long before they start wearing thin. And um, they called me back from St. Francis and told me that I'd have, I'd have to come pick him back up because there's nothing wrong with him. And I had explained to them that, that I didn't know how to handle this. I couldn't handle it. And I felt that for my safety and his safety that, you know, taking him to the hospital was the best thing. And they said that, if I didn't come back and get him, that it would be a black mark against my, my foster home. So I did go back, and however, the next day, I took him back to the agency and told him that, you know, um, you guys didn't train us with this kind of um, problems with, with clients, you know. And so um, they were able to take him back off our hands. But um, I'm really into this, this caregiving thing. I have a couple private clients. However, none of them with Alzheimer's are dementia. But I'd like to know... Um, where could we go? Do they offer any courses for caregivers to, to go and, um, you know, learn more about how to handle these people? Because I find talking and just reminiscing with them about, about the olden days and, and, you know, what they used to do, what they used to be, and, and engaging them in conversation and, you know, can only go so far. After that, they start getting antsy and they start forgetting who you are, where they are, and stuff like that. So um, is there any type of programs that can help us? DNA's out, so when we do have these kind of clients, we know how to um, deal with them. Great question, Don, because 
you know, you never know. And recently there have been some studies that show that using certain strong medications, they call them under the classification of antipsychotics, and using those for people who have dementia actually is an absolute bad idea because it can actually cause them to get worse. And so here you are left saying, what do I do? I'm a CNA. How do I care best for these folks? Dr. Borman, you have some ideas. I do. Um, There's a concept in dementia care of joining the journey. This means if the patient's talking about their dead husband, talk with them about that. That's where their brain is. That's what they're thinking. Oh, tell us about George. Oh, what was the happiest part of your marriage? So joining them where they are rather than trying to bring them back to our here and now. Now, for information for caregivers, I can only give the highest recommendation for the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, The number here in Hawaii is 808-591- Two seven seven one. The Alzheimer's Association is your one-stop shopping for information for caregivers, what the stages are of Alzheimer's, how to care for people at each of the different stages, what to expect next. It gets back to this idea, well, nobody is going through this. Well, dementia is very common in our society now, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can learn an awful lot from the Alzheimer's Association. Excellent idea. Excellent. Don, I hope that helps you because that's a way that you can get some additional training. Now, what do you do, Dr. Borman, if somebody gets antsy and agitated, you know, if they start wandering, if they start yelling and and injuring their loved ones and and doing stuff like that, what can you do? I mean, how do you how do you bring somebody down from that level of agitation that's that's the type that we used to give medication for? Human contact. Very often, the frustration and aggression is because it's just too complicated and they can't make sense of things. And I just look them right in the eye, talk gently, talk softly, say that you understand, and and make that human connection because that's not lost no matter how far they are in their dementia. So really just try and talk them through it. Yes instead of medicating them. Because that's what we used to do. In a lot of situations, it was, you know, care homes would say, can we give this medication? Can we do this? Can we do that? And yet, often medications are not the best way to handle people who have memory issues, because it actually, really, honestly, it makes them worse. And I think there was a study done recently, reported out, that showed that it actually can cause premature death. I mean, because you're giving them these medications that have side effects and bad consequences, And so I just can only imagine if you have someone in your household who has, you know, the tendency to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and put on their clothes and scream and yell. I mean, that's got to be a difficult situation. Talk to them and recognize at some point that you might need professional help and they may need to be placed somewhere even if you don't want to do that. Sometimes the time has come. Yes, there's another resource in our community, and that's to call Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. Okay, that's call you guys. Yes, because we have a team of experts, and we have um, a way to help, and that is reaching out for help. Again, that barrier of asking for help. help. Okay, give me a number. I'm all into numbers today. I'll post them all on our Facebook page, and and we'll have them available. But go ahead. 261. Uh Uh-huh. Four four seven six. 
All right, another place to go to get some help. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Corey Leo and Dr. Patricia Borman from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. We're talking today about healthy aging and memory and what happens when that process doesn't go as smoothly as you would hope. When we come back, we're going to talk with a few more callers. If you want to know what to do or if you've learned some tricks that really can help other folks, join us at 941-3689, toll free from our neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Now's the time to take a swing at supporting HPR. In honor of our national pastime, that's listening to public radio, of course, our current sustaining members have issued a challenge to all first-time donors. Pledge $10 a month before April 5th, and your donation will be automatically doubled by the sustaining members' dollar-for-dollar matching fund. Sustaining members know their ongoing monthly gifts are a big hit. No more invoices, lowered pledge goals, reliable income for the station, perhaps even shorter drives. Pitch in and do your part, and we'll send you a cool HPR logo baseball t-shirt. Before April 5th, call our membership dugout at 955-8821 during business hours, or pledge online at hawaiipublicradio.org. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Patricia Borman and Dr. Corey Leo from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And we are talking today about memory, aging, and what happens when people start to have some troubles with getting older and forgetting a lot and having difficult times taking care of themselves but still wanting to be active and engaged with their community and their families. If you know somebody who really has taught you some important lessons on what happens when we get older and how to make sure that that you take good care of your folks because someday it's going to be you, then please let us know. You know, we've been hearing some great tips so far. We've heard from Yvonne on the Big Island, things she did, did to keep her grandfather happy. And we've also heard from, from Autumn in Kona, and we've also heard from Don and Eva. And right now we're going to be talking with Rike from Neo Valley great suggestions so far and things we can do to help everybody to care for our elderly population that will grow as we all have more birthdays and hopefully birthday cake. Okay, Rike from Rio Valley, what can we do for you today? Aloha. Aloha, how are you? Your guest was talking about clinical trials and I have a comment. Uh, If caregiver or patient knows of a clinical trial that's on the mainland but not available here. One avenue is to call the manufacturer of the drug and see if that drug could be made available for compassionate use. Okay, so if there's a trial, maybe we're not participating yet. If it's not possible to participate with doctors here, Find out from the manufacturer of whatever medicine might be tried and see if they could make an exception. That's, okay. That's correct. They have, do, and it, it'll be the physician who will have to make the final call. So but, tell me, have but, you had this experience, Rike? I just did. And so you were able to, even though you're not in a trial, you were able to get the benefit I of will get using the, something. The trial drug here. Wonderful. 
And so you really just pursued it and made sure that you were able to get the same advantages of other folks geographically less isolated than us. Well, yeah, you need to do some research on the drug, who makes it, what is it used for, and uh, work with your physician. Fantastic. What a great piece of advice, Rike. I appreciate you bringing that to our attention because you're right. Some clinical trials we might not have access to here. That doesn't mean that people can't participate. So good point. Thank- All right. Thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, it's very true. Clinical trials sound exciting and sometimes they're out there and available for people with certain medical problems, but we may not have enough people here in the islands who would would be able to qualify for that trial. So it's not here. Or even if we do, we just might not have the docs who are participating in the trials. Dr. Leo, tell me, how do you find out about clinical trials? I mean, what is the easiest way if somebody says, I want to know, are there any trials being done for people who have issues with memory? You guys are doing some. What are some of the ones you're doing? Well, we have uh, currently we're recruiting patients, three group of patients. We do have a drug trial that we're recruiting mild to moderate Alzheimer's dementia patients. And we do have also a trial looking at changing the diet of patients that are pre-dementia stage, what we call mild cognitive impairment. So we're really recruiting patients with mild cognitive impairment, mild to moderate dementia stage. And uh, patients can find out more information uh, by calling us at 261-4476 or on our website, www.hawaiineuroscience.com. And... Other clinical trials uh, that are available uh, nationally can also be found on NIH uh, clinical trial website, nih.gov. Those are probably the best uh, uh, sites, and Alzheimer's Association website will also maintain a list of uh, nationally available clinical trials. And uh, as we're growing, we're looking at bringing more clinical trials to the island. Uh, That is really our goal, as you you understand that not everybody can travel to the mainland. So our goal is to bring as much of this back to the island as possible. Wonderful, because, again, we have unique ethnic variations here. And it's nice to know that we really can look at this problem and adapt what we're looking at to our populations, some of which may have more needs than others as we get older. So certainly I'm happy to know that we're going to bring some of this home. But thank you, Rike, for bringing up the fact that if it isn't here already, that doesn't mean it can't get here. Now, we had a shy caller who said, you know, another way to handle people when they get agitated is find out what music was available in their era. And sometimes music in itself is therapy. Dr. Borman, you're shaking your head like, oh, yeah, I've heard this one before. Tell me. Music is is appreciated from a very special spot in the brain that typically is not impacted by the dementias. And so the ability to appreciate music um, is very, very deeply ingrained. And particularly people who have always been musically oriented, it's, it's so helpful, so beneficial for them. So another way to help if someone's agitated is just play music that you know that they used to love. They might sing along, they might get engaged, that might help to stop that cycle where they're heading to this time when they're just not as easy to communicate with and they've gotten agitated. And So that's another thing. If, if you were counseling families about what to do with folks as they get older 
and they might have these episodes where they get more confused, where they're starting to experience worsening Alzheimer's. Let's say they have an official diagnosis, which is a very important point to make. There's a lot of different types of memory loss. Not all memory loss is dementia. Not all dementia is Alzheimer's. And that's an important point because there's other, other more treatable causes of dementia that should be evaluated. But let's just say that you have somebody who has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. What are some of the tips that families can learn that may help them? We heard about the music. What are some other things that they could do if their loved one is still living with them and having this get a little bit worse as the time goes on? Well, we talk about um, distraction. So if something is upsetting your dementia person, to just point them in a different direction, get them busy with something else. We mentioned music. Um, it can be very helpful to just bring up a different topic. And so instead of talking about the trauma that might have happened, sort of say, hey, do you remember that good time that you had? Maybe pick a time when they were young so they would remember it. Maybe not last week, mm -hmm. but remote memory. Because often that still may be preserved is remote memory, whereas the recent memory may be what's impacted. Correct. Okay. Well, we had a caller who said we have to give out some more phone numbers and I have to speak slower. And that is definitely a very true comment. So thank you, Shy Caller. Let's go ahead and give out some of those again. I have written them down. Senior Information Center here in Hawaii, 808-768-7700. Alzheimer's Association, 808-591-2771. We've also got Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, 808-261-4476. Do you have any other numbers? I think I got them all. Did I forget any as we talk about memory loss? Patricia, did I forget a number? Well, I've got them all. Okay. I, I passed. I got a thumbs up. I remembered all my phone numbers. And then, of course, we talked about AARP at the top of the show, one 926 8300 Again, websites, I love websites, but... You know, if you're 85 and you're not computer savvy, you may not be able to get on computers easily and get to websites. So mm -hmm. phone numbers still work. Yes. Okay. Now, when you're taking care of people and trying to come up with an overall plan for them, what are some of the common things that sounds like common sense, which is not that common, what are some simple things that family members could do right now if their loved one is suffering from memory issues, Alzheimer's, and dementia? What are some easy tactics that they could work with with the individual and maybe their doctor to sort of help out? Each and every one of us wants to feel useful and productive. And as dementia proceeds, the roles, the things that people can do slip away. So it can be... It can require a lot of creativity, but to find out what they can do. One thing that a lot of the little old ladies with dementia love is folding clothes. They've done it their whole life. It's ingrained in their soul. And they could spend the whole day folding a bag of laundry. You can turn the corner and 
puff up the clothes and let them get wrinkled again and bring it right back and they'll fold it again. Just be peaceful, happy. This has been rewarding work throughout their life. So giving them things that they can do. We all need a role, a way to feel productive. I love the fact when, you know, Yvonne said, I tell my grandfather, you know, why don't you go check the oil and check the windshield and do those things to sort of make sure the car is ready for us to get in and drive, engaging that person in, in trying to make sure that everything is, is available and safe for everybody and not taking it away, but giving them something um, to do, giving them a job. What about, you know, I often think that if you have an elderly parent or an elderly loved one, go through their medicine. And if you find that they have complicated routines of all these different pills, bring all of the pills, all of them. Doesn't matter who prescribed them, bring them all. Bring supplements. If you find a house full of supplements and you don't know what they're doing with them, bring it to the doctor's appointment. These days, you know, we have these wonderful electronic medical records. The problem is that sometimes, even with electronic medical records, it's great to have them available, and we can do a lot of great work with it. But if you don't really know what the person has in their house, you can only go by what's on your screen, and that may not be accurate for what they're doing. I call it the brown bag visit. The brown bag visit. Okay, tell me about that. You put everything in a brown you bag? put everything in a big brown bag. Some of those bags are really big. And, and bring really it to the heavy. doctor. Okay. And it's it can take a long time to sort through, but... Here's this medicine. Are you taking it? Do you know what it's for? And often there's overlaps. I think it's common in our medical society that you start a new medicine for a symptom without thinking about stopping something that may be causing that symptom. And so, again, you really need to know what they're on to know what makes sense, what's rational use of medication. Well, and the other thing I often wonder is, you know, what about when somebody has a new dose or a change in prescription Sometimes you find they still have the old pills that they're still taking. Then they have the new pills, and then they start getting dizzy, and you realize they're on, like, three hypertensive medications, but they're not hypertensive anymore, or maybe they were only supposed to be on one. I mean, just from the medical aspect, I see this happen far too often. Yeah, medicine visits are very important. Medicines can be very helpful, and we hope that they will have good benefits when we prescribe them, but they can be harmful as well, and we need to keep that in mind if things aren't going well for a patient. Now, let's talk briefly, because next week we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but let's talk briefly about advanced directives. This is something that I think is really important for people when they have enough memory to be able to share that information so that they can decide what they want in the future and not leave it open and not make any decisions and have their family members burdened with trying to choose those things for the individual. When should people start looking at advanced directives? And should you wait until Alzheimer's sets in? Or should you really decide this, engage families in this conversation way before memory loss really takes hold? Actually, when I was in family medicine, I started at age 50 when we start cancer screening, because what if the cancer's positive? It opens up the discussion and normalizes it. I definitely want people to be doing directives early in, in a dementia or memory problem. And it's hard to get there. People don't want to talk about the end of life, but it's not an option. We all go there. It's not like you can take a left turn and not go right eventually. Okay. Um, 
talking about it with your family, with your partner, with your children. Um, we want to know what your goals are. I want to give you the care that you want. And it's different for different people. And if you don't ask, you don't know. Advanced directives include a power of attorney, which is also called a surrogate decision maker. And if we come to a point in our own health where we're not able to speak for ourselves, we have a, a surrogate decision maker who knows what we want and can speak for us. Well, and the other thing is, while, while we were on air, we had somebody call in and say, you know, there's another group, Comfort, Security, and Independence, and they actually gave us a phone number. I haven't looked it up myself, so I should, um, but I will mention it, 538-0353, and that's a group that also tries to help people with financial issues because that's a whole nother situation. When somebody has dementia, can they handle their finances, and if not... How do we avoid things like elder abuse and fraud in those situations? That's a huge, huge issue. And we hear about these cases periodically in the news and go, how could it be possible? And yet it really is. And that's a group that is vulnerable and all too often targeted from various different scams, whether they be in the mail or on the phone or even people who act as, you know, caregivers or loved ones. And, you know, maybe grandpa has been supporting their grandson for far too long, and now their grandson is potentially doing something inappropriate and grandpa's funding it. So financial issues are another thing to bring up when family members come in and really decide, can they make these decisions for themselves? Well, this is a service that I offer. It's called a capacity evaluation. And it says, are you able to make informed decisions? Now, making informed decisions is different if it's what to wear for today than if it's a multi-million dollar estate or a life and death surgery that you might need. But this is something that we're skilled at to say, what's the decision that needs to be made? And is, is this person still have the capacity to make the informed decision? So this is something that you do in the office. You said it's a service that you offer. Yes. So if somebody were to say, I don't know if grandpa can make his own decisions, they would come and see you and you would do this evaluation and let them know right then and there, yes, he can or no, he can't. Correct. And then take, take steps after that to figure out who is going to decide for grandpa. Does he have a power of attorney for medical issues, for financial issues? Really, it sounds like this can be a very comprehensive problem, and, and getting to the experts early on can really help prevent problems later. Yes. Prevention is worth a pound of cure. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's good parts as well, and we have a little less than a minute or so left what are some of the best parts of taking care of people as they get older? Well, one thing that I love is that they go very slow, and so I don't have to be hurried. That's true. You just can't rush a person who's 94. Nor should you. And maybe the reason they got to be 94 is because they kind of slowed down a bit and kind of decided it wasn't worth the rush. The other thing that's so exceptionally um gratify in working with this population. So they've had so many life experiences. And they have wisdom to share. And if we just slow down and ask them, their stories are wonderful. 
that's a good thing for all of us to remember. All right, I want to thank you both for being on the show today and sharing your expertise. Dr. Corey Liao and Dr. Patricia Borman, both at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. You can reach them at 261-4476. We'll be posting this show on hawaiipublicradio.org. You'll be also be able to find us on Facebook with a lot of those phone numbers so that if you want to have links to some of the things we talked about, you've got them. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll talk with you next week.